And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim It's 77 minutes in heaven Hello, this is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that will never change its starting five. I'm Tim Cato. I've been starting for three years. Dave DeFour is also here, Austin Gurria. We've, we've got some longevity in the starting lineup. We're really building up some stability, some consistency. I don't know if Jason Kidd believes in that, and I don't think he's wrong, necessarily. But we, we're big believers in this sort of consistency. You know, you just got to roll with the homies. I think we're going to start off with the starting lineups after, you know, the second preseason game that the Mavericks played. It was Jaden Hardy in the starting five, and it was Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the bench. And the following day at practice, Jason Kidd talked about how Spencer Dinwiddie might be somebody who is going to run the second units. And quite frankly, I expected the Mavericks to end up here. We've talked about their ball handling for, I don't know, months now. You know, it's it's been really the number one issue, you know, outside of Brunson's departure that had stemmed from this summer. And there was always some inevitability that there was going to be a staggering of the minutes because the Mavericks only have two ball handlers that they can trust to actually run lineups and to actually create shots for themselves and for others. But here we are in the second preseason game already, already getting to that. And I I guess the only reason I thought that it might take a little bit longer is that Spencer Dinwiddie was proclaimed a starter in summer league by Jason Kidd. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to name JaVale McGee a starter. Yet, he did both of those things. And so I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised whatsoever. It's just a logical outcome for this roster and its construction and, and the way for it to go. And yet, here we are, though. You know, and, and it looks very likely that Friday, which I'm, you know, I, I had a conversation at practice day. It sounds like it's going to be a dress rehearsal. I would imagine the starting five that they use on Friday in the final preseason game will be the starting, you know, the starting five that they use when they open the season against Phoenix. So, Austin, how are we feeling about this? Are, are you also, again, just as inevitable as this seemed, just that it's happening immediately, that it's happening now, almost that it's a confession that, you know, the roster does not have ball handling uh, to the point that, you know, Mark Stein was reporting that uh, Campazzo, you know, the, the, the backup point guard with the, with the Denver Nuggets, that he's somebody that the Mavericks are considering signing. Does it just seem a little bit soon and a little bit quick or... Is this right in line with, you know, everything that Jason Kidd has, has built up over his first season into his second? I appreciate Nico and Kidd's ability to romanticize Frank Nilokina's ball handling all summer, along with Josh Green. That was great. You know, that was great salesmanship. But then you get to training camp and you have to watch them handle the ball in practice and in scrimmages. And I know Jason Kidd does not have a very high tolerance for poor point guard play. And you could see it. Frank Nilkley didn't play until halfway through the third quarter in that preseason game. He's he's not going to get major minutes in this rotation. 
Frank, Jason Kidd watched Jaden Hardy for however long in training camp and through those preseason games and through those open practices and was like, that's our probably our third best shot creator. And he's he's not wrong. I, I actually don't think Frank Nielakin will ever be as good as Jaden Hearn is right now on offense. It's just, he he's a wing. He's more of a Reggie Bullock replacement than a Spencer Dinwiddie replacement. And that's no fault of his own. He's still a great defender. It's just, he's, he's just a wing and a guard's body. And now that they've gone through training camp and they've seen all the development of the players over the summer, I think they're realizing that they will need an emergency third ball handler at some point and a way to kind of fill in the gaps. And I honestly thought starting Hardy was kind of a good way to fill the gaps. If you start him and you play him six minutes at the first quarter and six minutes at the beginning of the third quarter, and he doesn't play for the rest of the game, that's fine. It kind of equalizes and like stabilizes your rotation. And that way you can steal some minutes for Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I don't think they will eventually will do that once they start the season. But even if that's Josh Green at the beginning of the season, I think that's a good way to kind of fill in the gaps for that third ball handler and allow them to let Spencer Dinwiddie kind of run his own offense on his own. Because when he shares the floor with Luka, quite honestly, he kind of disappears a little bit. He's kind of just off in the corner. He's not doing a lot of ball handling. It doesn't really matter. His skill set's not being optimized when he's playing next to Luka. And I think you could steal some minutes, especially in that first quarter when Luka likes to dominate the ball. I think you could steal some minutes by either playing Josh Green or even playing Jane Hardy. You're saying that with Dinwiddie? Yes, with Dinwiddie. I wouldn't totally agree. I, I see what you're saying. I, I think it kind of depends on how Luca plays. I think when Luca is playing with Dinwiddie, you know, he has uh, an ability to kind of involve him and in, in mix it up. We could just see a more ball-dominant Luca to start games. And, and I think we will see that a lot in a way that's going to phase out towards the end of the second quarter and the, you know, closing lineups. And I think, Tim, you're nailing it right there. I think that this is not about starting the game. I think it's about how you finish. And I think having Spencer off the bench allows you to use Luca a little bit more when his legs are fresh in that first quarter and to give him more help at the end of games. When his legs are maybe a little bit dead, he can take, not necessarily take an offensive possession off because he certainly cannot, but he doesn't have to go out and make something out of nothing because he has other creators out there to close games. And so we might see, like, Luca might be the king of the first 10 minutes this season. Like, if he's putting up 10 minutes or 10 points the first 10 minutes of every game, it wouldn't even shock me, right? Austin, do you remember when Josh Howard would average, like, 10 to 12 points every first quarter and then score maybe three more points the rest of the game? Yeah, and sometimes you just need that. And that's and that's why I thought starting Hardy was a good idea because you just he comes out here he can just get as many he's also not afraid to take shots he will take as many shots as possible in the first quarter and then does not need to contribute for the rest of the game and then you have spencer fresh in the second third and fourth quarters and it allows you to kind of push those minutes down the line to so so to the josh howard point it, it's basically what i mean by that is that offense and offensive responsibilities and who is handling the most load can be dictated by the states of the game and the phases of play and there you can have an explicit purpose that Luca is going to be very Luca centric focused if you start a lineup in the first and third quarters that would enable and quite frankly force them into that with an understanding that you know you want a more balanced offense as the game wears on uh, as as each half wears on i agree you know as far as it goes for hardy yeah i, I don't think it's realistic to think that he's going to be starting that he's even going to be playing 
I, I think that if you were to give him 20 minutes a night, the next 20 games, you know, the first 20 games of the season, he's probably shooting 35, 40%. And I've seen a lot of encouraging positive things from him about, you know, mostly the fact that he can confidently get to his spots, find shots for himself, that he's not going to hesitate taking threes. I, I don't think the efficiency is going to be there yet because he's 20 and he's a rookie and he's still figuring this out. So, so I just, I don't think it's there for him yet, but the Mavericks have more of a reason to play him and to play Josh Green than they do Frank Nilakina. I, I think, you know, as far as we talk about Nilakina, he might be a bit better than Green and, and uh, you know, specifically Green. I, I think I think he is certainly better, you know, more impactful on the court than what Hardy can provide right now. But the Mavericks have more reason if we're correct in viewing this as kind of a transition year as they really set up and tool up to make the big swing for a piece that they believe will make them a title contender. If we view this year as a transition, it makes more sense to play two players who have upside beyond anybody else on the roster. And so I think if Nilakina is not somebody who is going to be playing a lot, especially early in the year, I think that's the big reason why. It, it doesn't even mean that he isn't the player helping the most on the court. Uh, again, that defense of, of his is, is very impactful. And just the idea that he can at least be capable at times offensively, you know, competent, that he, that he can knock down open shots. There's definitely value in his skill set. But if it's him and Josh Green or even him and Jaden Hardy, it's about the same. Maybe Nilakina is a bit better. I'm playing the young guys just based on the context of the Mavericks this year and what they're building towards long term. I mean, I'm with you on that. And, and as we've discussed all summer, the West, it's not even deep. It's deep and full of sharks. It's treacherous. This is this is the season like your expectations need to be sort of in line with reality. And if you're the Mavericks, I don't think you expect to win a championship. You probably, if, if you're being honest with yourself, don't expect a conference finals run because, you know, there's a talent gap right now for the Mavericks and, and the elite in, in the West. The teams we know, like we know the Warriors, we know the Clippers, we know the Nuggets. Do we know the we Clippers? We do. Yeah, we do. Yes, we know the Clippers. Um, you're sounding like Bill Simmons. Like, I just, I just want yeah, to see them we play. Don't, we don't have just, to do that. I just, <laughs> just I want to see them play 20 games on the court. No, nah, man. Uh, they have every wing in the league, and it's a wing-dominated. Yeah, they, we know the Clippers. We have assumptions about Minnesota. You know, and Phoenix is still talented. New Orleans is going to be better than they were last year. Right? Like, so it's stacked. Playing Jaden Hardy, I mean, like, that's, that's important. Okay, so the question is, if it's not Jaden Hardy, then who is the fifth starter? And, you know, I, I asked Jason Kidd today, is, do you view it the same as that you're willing to spend 20, 30, maybe even 40 games this regular season experimenting, changing it up? And he said yes. Uh, I, I alluded to this when I started the podcast. Jason Kidd is not somebody who views uh, starting lineup continuity as the end-all be-all. And I, I think he's right to not, not view it that way. I, I think that you know, of course, there's value in it, but these guys have continuity. There's two new players on the roster, more or less. And so I think it's more important to, you know, maybe even have a matchup dependent starting lineup, especially to start the year to, to cycle in several different players. And the question is, which players do you want to see there and which one's going to end up there long term? Or maybe nobody will. I, I think Maxi should be in the mix there when they want to play big. Cr Christian Wood certainly could be in the mix there. Spencer Dinwiddie will be in the mix. Maybe Tim Hardaway will be in the mix when they want to play smaller, faster 
you know, have three shooters out there with, with Luca and, and maybe a JaVale McGee for, for your vertical spacing. They have options. It's not the worst thing in the world to have to figure out your, your fifth starter. At least you're not trying to figure out your second starter or your third starter. You know, like, you know, you, you've got three guys that are going to be in every lineup you run out there. And that's going to be Luca. That's going to be Bullock. And that's going to be Dorian Finney-Smith. Those three, three guys I think are locks. Unless something happens with Reggie Bullock and he falls off a cliff as a shooter. I think those three guys are going to be in all your best lineups. And now you've got the flexibility because you actually do have, you know, a little bit more uh, versatile personnel, at least on paper. We'll see how it works out. But theoretically, you have defensive first lineups that you can play. You have offensive first lineups. You can go big. You can go small. You can go fast and fast and big with Christian Wood as your center. So, Or maybe they want to go really small. Dorian Finney-Smith is the center. You have a bunch of shooters. So, I don't know. I, taking the first, as you mentioned, 25, 30 games to figure that out might be worthwhile because, you know, maybe you lose a bunch of games and you're, you know, you're looking at play in time, but by the time the end of the season rolls around, and you get to the playoffs, you know what you're doing. Well, I mean, let me, let me ask it. Let me rephrase this question. And Austin, you're most tapped into fandom. What are, what are you most excited to see? You know, like which, which starting lineup permutations are you like, Oh hell yeah, let's go. Um, because I don't know, Tim Hardaway, I would guess is not uh sparking joy necessarily. I mean, I think it will eventually probably be Hardaway, but I think for me, I look at the starting line as symbolic. JaVale McGee is only going to play 20 minutes a game. Whoever starts that's not Bullock, uh, Dorian, or Luka is only going to play 15 to 20 minutes a game. I think I'd rather start Josh Green or Hardy initially just because if you start one of those, you're, who you're bringing off the bench is Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleber, and Christian Wood. There's not a single team in the NBA who can match that bench lineup. If if a team runs their all, a full bench lineup against that four-man four, four group, they will get run off the floor. That is a really, really talented bench lineup. I, I don't think another team in the NBA could match that talent level coming off the bench. And I think that could bode well for, especially in the regular season, where you just, Luca comes out and just does his thing for the first, first quarter or whatever. And then that second wave comes in. And it's pretty overwhelming to have that much offensive talent and then also have Maxi kind of just anchoring the defense uh, on that second unit. And I think they could really, really hurt teams using that second unit. So if you just use Josh Green or Hardy as kind of like a nominal starter, that allows you to have a much more potent bench lineup. You're, you're basically saying that Luca is so talented we can sacrifice some talent in the starting five. Yeah. Because he's just going to smooth it all over and he's going to be good enough anyway. Yeah, probably he's that good. Like, and then who, who knows? Especially if you sort of like, maybe every every third game Hardy is just like, I'm I'm gonna hit threes today, or maybe every third game Josh Green is like, I'm I'm just gonna hit threes, and and that works. And then Javale McGee is honestly he's a he's a good roller, and he's also a rim roller that will draw fouls in a way that Dwight Powell did not draw fouls, and that will allow them to just I think just like how Luca plays on on his national team where he just has a rim roller and he just has guys hitting threes. That's all he really needs to succeed. And then as the game progresses, they can mix up the lineups. They can add more talent around him. And then the kid can kind of, that's honestly, the starting lineup, I think that's honestly like, it's it's a fun thing to talk about and it's fun to like debate. But like, I think the real hard things are who's playing in like the late third quarter, who's playing in the early fourth quarter, who's closing. Like those are, I think the really, really difficult lineup questions that kid has to answer. 
It's like how soccer is so focused around formations when formations are like you have three different ones in each game. Yeah. <laughs> like it just doesn't actually matter. Don't underestimate JaVale McGee as a passer also, especially as a role man. He's pr- pretty good offensive player, makes a lot of smart passes, and this team has some good cutters and obviously guys who are spacing the floor to the corners. So, you know, Dave, I, can I again, ask you a quick question? Yes. How much is the big JaVale lobby paying you right now? <laughs> <laughs> look, man, if you go back and if you go back and look, man, like, he might make a boneheaded play here and there, but it's because he's creative. He's trying stuff. And we celebrate those kind of players when they're six feet tall, but we don't celebrate them uh, enough to me when they're seven feet and a little bit goofy. He came in the league young, figured it out. But the guy has turned himself into an extremely solid player on both ends. And I think that the offensive part of his game outside of just catching lobs little underrated i'm gonna say so i'm i'm doing bits i I don't want to be unfair to him i think that's right i I think so i wrote about him a little bit you know i'm I'm continuing a roster breakdown it's on the athletic uh tuesday morning uh when you're probably listening to this because i assume you know the instant this publishes you're just immediately you got it streaming in your earballs and i wrote about how functionally his stats are going to look really similar to dwight powell more blocks more rebounding but it's gonna he's gonna do it in such a different way. Aesthetically, stylistically, you know, like the way he throws down lobs and dunks is like so geared around like just this he is a special athlete. I think all the shacked and the fool stuff over the years kind of built up to ignore the fact that this is a six one guy who, you know, runs like probably a four or five, it feels like, and just has incredibly long arms. Uh like I think Luca's gonna get increasingly ambitious about the type of passes he's going to throw to McGee. Like it's, it's going to be like, Oh, you can't go catch this. If I just lob it up to the top of the backboard, well, let's see, let's find out. And, and I think, you know, we also saw that, you know, even in the preseason game on Friday, uh, he had a couple isolation possessions where he's just like, you know, screw it. Um, yeah, yeah. One of them, he blew by for a dunk and the second one was not nearly as good. And, and Luca was probably glaring daggers at him, but that's kind of what I mean. Like his, outcome his his product his in product is statistically going to be similar hopefully a bit better offensively definitely a bit better defensively as compared to Dwight Powell but it's going to look so different and I, I think I said this on a podcast a couple months ago I, I think by midseason he might be a fan favorite I, I, I guess I could see it going both ways but I just think aesthetically at, at this point in his career especially with Luca feeding and passes he's a lot of fun he's a really fun player Especially if you can learn to embrace the fact that he's going to shoot a three sometimes with 12 on the shot clock or, you know, he's going to take someone ISO because the other times is he's going to embarrass, you know, like like he he what around the back dribble to Luca in transition in the the series against Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) he he picked. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He ripped him and then he Euro step dunked. He just went. He just outran him and dunked on him. I mean, I think he's going to be. He's a physical presence. He's someone that other teams think twice about when they go to the rim and that and and like 16 to 18 minutes is a perfect amount of time to make sure he doesn't like wear out as well he's rarely going to close games <laughs> max is probably always going to close games and so that's going to make him even more fan favorite he's like he's just there for the fun part of games to have a good time and provide a good i want to say i'm a big fan of the signing i know people were like oh is that too much money for a 34 year old son i'm like it's six million and especially on the new cap is like literally it's gonna be like the veterans minimum and yeah. he's a 
He's a good center. He's a good. He's been on good teams. He's been on good the teams. Le- he like wins. he's been on good teams. This is not. This is not some guy. This is. No offense. Not DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, he's he's much better. Than he's DeAndre not Jordan. been an afterthought on these teams. He has been a, a, a big time rotation piece. And and you know, I mean, there was an argument that he was the best center in Phoenix for a little bit. Uh, you you know who he, he is. There. Yeah, he's what we wanted Willie Cauley Stein to be. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 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 Yeah. And so oh, that's the I podcast. Think, that that was think, it. <laughs> Go back and listen to the Willie Cauley Stein shows. Where we, you know, expressed our lament that he was unable to catch a lob. I see. Yeah, exactly. I was always a Collie Stein. Like I want to believe Chris, a little bit, little bit I of good vibes believe. too, right? Javale's yeah. got the good vibes. Uh, oh can I ask God. a question, Tim? Yeah, what's up? Is Javale still about the jug life? I, I don't, I don't get a lot of that stuff. I don't, I don't see a lot of that stuff anymore. Is, is he still carrying around the water jug? Do you know the answer to this, Austin? Because I, I don't have a good answer. I, I have not seen him do hashtag jug life in a long time. I remember I when he was about jug life. Yeah, need Tim, we, we, need, we need a long feature on jug life. What it happened? Is it long term? Like, is he still about the jug life? Is the jug life over? He was a big water is this guy. Like, is this like the, you know, you just made the we have it at home joke. Is this like the the Dirk bringing leftovers from the night before to no, every he, game in a, in a full he would, plate he would tweet hashtag jug life all the time and he would just pretty sure he a had like a water, water brand right yeah i think he even created a water brand off of jug life and and a charity was, oh is there a charity too yeah it is a oh, charity dope. yeah so yeah he's uh it's jug life get a jug drink and save more water and then i guess they do water education i mean this is oh, you fantastic know, they've got a whole foundation man I love learning new things on this podcast. I love learning new things on this podcast, and I love it even more when it's do- like just rad as hell because that's yeah. that's dope. That's very so, cool. And and if you want to know, this is how you can live out the jug life lifestyle and make an impact. Drink more water using their half gallon jug, of course, because got to sell some stuff here. And we all need to drink more water. Events where they do water education—it's fantastic. That's good. That's sensational. Yeah, I love this. The return of Jug Life. We're an educational podcast. Never left. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Austin, what did you think of the first two preseason games? Like, like what takeaways do you have that are not involving the things we've talked about already? Oh, Christian Wood, good. Good at offense. Yeah. Very, very good at offense. He came as advertised. Honestly, I think, I think maybe I had a lot of Porzingis PTSD from watching his post-ups. And Christian, I think, I don't know what it is about Christian Wood, but his post-ups just come into the offense a lot more smoother than Porzingis did. It doesn't feel like they were halting the offense to get him a post-up or to get him a touch. It feels like he flows into the offense much more organically, and he's a much more willing roller. I think Luke is having a blast trying to just throw him passes when he's rolling. I think he's going to try. I, like you said with, with JaVale, like he's going to just increasingly get more and more ambitious to see how high he can jump or where he can throw a ball, throw him a ball. I think we'll see that with Christian Wood. He finishes everything. He catches everything. He's kind of the best of both worlds between Powell and Kleber between shooting and rolling. And then he can also occasionally ISO. So that was very encouraging to see that he's as advertised on offense. On the defensive end, it's uh <laughs> I I I agree with him not starting. I I don't I don't think he's there yet on the defensive end. I think it's gonna take him some time to come along. Hopefully at some point he does really lock in and he he understands the defensive principles, he understands the rotations, but I don't think he's there just yet and i understand why they, he's played the most of any player in the preseason so far because I yeah think i mean as much as as much as i just wish there was one true reason that christian wood isn't starting you know i i think it's complicated i think that they're working him in slowly i, I think that his defense is not up to par from everything i've seen um you know and and i think that he makes sense off the bench to some extent again we talked about it last episode about the identity about the mavs carrying over what brought them to the conference finals last year and i think Keeping McGee as the nominal starter, even though Christian Wood is going to get most of the minutes, much more, you know, of, of the big man share of minutes, I think that makes sense. Yeah, and there is an inherent advantage to supercharging your second unit. And if you have Spencer Denwitty out there handling the ball, you're going to have Tim Hardaway out there shooting, and you have an offensive talent like Christian Wood, 
Well, now all of a sudden you're you're making a stew because you're going up against opposing second units with starting level players, at least, you know, at least on the offensive end. So you may have, you know, you may have a scenario where your your second unit is so far out ahead of opposing second units that um, it, it could be like the Toronto situation uh, all those years back with DeRozan and, and Kyle Lowry out there where their bench units were outperforming in, in at least in plus minus and, and average plus minus net rating were outperforming their starters because the the bench was so talented that that there was a disparity and, and so if that's what you know what you wind up with that's a huge bonus to this team and, and it makes it so that the fourth quarters are maybe a little bit easier yeah I think that just it, it makes I think it just really evens out the roster and evens out the rotation and I think you have just kind of your standard like they bring their offense that they brought from last year their continuity with the starting lineup and then you get to the bench and you're like okay well luca goes to the bench and they're like well now i have to deal with with five out spacing and spencer dinwiddie and christian wood running pick and roll and tim hardaway shooting contested threes like that's that's a lot to deal with like they're playing five out with a really talented five and a, a point guard who is average 20 points in the league that's not something most benches are equipped to deal with and i think that could be a real strength of this team. And I think that's kind of goes back to our conversation about the starting lineup. While I think I, that's why I think bringing Spencer off the bench is probably the best move for them because it just allows them to have a trick. Kind of an, they have, allows them to have an identity and a strength that they can really use against other teams. I think beyond that, I've seen Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, he, he looks good. Um, he's obviously being empowered to dribble the ball and, and be as creative and dynamic as is, you know, capable within his skill set. Uh, I feel like I've noticed that. And and again, it's it's still very limited, but any and all will help. You know, we've talked about this a lot, but Andrew Wiggins was such a dynamic factor in that conference final series because he could take a dribble and and step into a jumper or get all the way to the rim or not get all the way to the rim and, and make the next read. Reggie Bullock looks good. You know, he's he has uh, famously he doesn't shoot well early in the season, but seems like he's shooting good so far. You know, that that's just a very weird quirk of his career. But, you know, the, the one funny thing about Bullock is that he's changed teams a lot. And coming into this team with the continuity and consistency that we talked about, even, you know, even if the, you know, even if Jason Kidd doesn't have to view the lineup like that, this team clearly has it throughout the roster. And so, you know, I, I think I think that's valuable. Um, overall, you know, it's... I don't blame the team for, you know, only three persons in games. It's not a lot compared to everybody else. I believe the fewest in the league. And why why would you play more, to be honest? I don't think, you know, it's not like Luka needs it. Luka's been playing basketball for three months now. It's not like, you know, the, the starters around him who know exactly how to play with him need it, per se. I, I just think, I don't know. I think this team is in a good place to start the year well. And... You know, and I go back to the the Christian Wood stuff we were talking about. If they want to start the year well and work him in, you know that that's how you do it. You bring him off the bench, and it's up to him to earn it. And I think he can, and I think that's the best case scenario for the Mavericks. But up until he does, up until he earns the trust, uh, here we are, and and you know the the Mavericks are poised for what should be a just a radical, radically different vibes to start this year than than what we had this time last year. Uh, real quick. Before we wrap up, guys, uh, just really fast question, okay? Should the Mavs actually just tank for Victor Wimanyama? I mean, 
I would like seven foot four Tracy McGrady on my team. Russell Westbrook, get the twenty seven and twenty nine pick. It's time, to rebu- no. it's time to rebuild. No, this is no. <laughs> no, I say yeah. That guy. Is, Why not? He's he's gonna be nuts. He he's breaking my brain. To be honest with you, yeah, he's a. It's not fair. Wing shot. I mean, selfishly, <laughs> why wouldn't the athletic pay for trips to France for me to do a little origin story? Hey, he might wind up on the Mavericks. So you got to be prepared. You never know. I do have one last takeaway from the preseason games, and it's funny that it took so long to get here. Luka Doncic looks amazing. He just looks so good. I was just like, oh, you're you're ready to go into the season, like. Like sometimes, oh, are we supposed to talk about him? It's it's. Did you, it, did you not watch Eurobasket? I, I I did, and I was like, <laughs> oh, may, maybe that will transfer. I wasn't sure if you know, does that transfer from Europe to the NBA? I wasn't really sure. There's been a lot of talk I, I about think those whether guys are going to cook. <laughs> uh, I mean, like uh, Jokic has this little wrist thing. Uh, could be like Jokic played a lot of basketball the last few years. I think Giannis and Luca are, are just going to cook. I think Lowry Markin I mean, we might were, cook. We were just talking about France, so you can excuse mine. He's in his fuck around and find out era. And the find out is, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to find out if it works. That's really what, especially with the bad teams. He's like, if you're not, if I don't think, I don't respect you, which is probably like half the teams in the NBA. He's just going to be doing stuff. All He's going to be much watched, much watched TV, all, especially like, early in the season. Don't forget how unfun last season was for yep. the start of last season. Oh, yeah. They were and, miserable and, until Christmas. If if they're top four, that dude is MVP, right? Like that's that's going to be the story because they they don't have the talent of those other teams, right? Like it's going to be all about Luca. So if they're in the top four, top top three, especially, we're probably going to be saying, "Oh man, Luca's in that conversation." That's the only way they get there, unless Christian Wood goes ape shit. You know, I mean, if he goes nuts, and let's say he winds up at like I don't know. 20 and 12 and forces his way to the starting lineup, then maybe they're top four. But I think the more likely scenario uh, where we see the Mavericks top four is that Luca is like a 30 point triple double every night. It's, it's not unlikely that they have the MVP and the sixth man of the year on the same team. It's not unlikely. Hmm. Spencer, ben t- big time Spencer Dinwiddie buzz right there. I, I see you. No, that's Christian Wood buzz. I, I'm just, I'm keeping him on the bench all year. I'm just going to make you earn it. <laughs> I think if Christian Wood is good enough to win sixth man of the year, hypothetically, he's going to be a starter. Yeah. And I think if he isn't, um, it could go another direction. Let's put it that way. But that's going to be our prod today. We're here every Tuesday morning after games. Next next week, we're going to be building. Next week, we actually might flip it around and record an episode after the season opener. But we're going to be here every Tuesday. It's going to be the same starting lineup you always have. It's going to be me, Austin, Dave. Mike Pellucci, who's not here today, but he will be back. And then we're going to start doing a second episode, and I'm really excited for that. You're, you're going to see. It's going to be going to be guest-focused, going to be conversation-focused. It'll be fun. But until then, we'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luca, big dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh my God. Oh!
That's a wrap, Dirk. Man, that is a wrap. Woo!